Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hello, and welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association. In this special Five Questions episode, my co-host Zach Higgins and I go through the five questions with Phil Pinsky of Reclaimed Audio. Phil, let's, if we can, let's get to the five questions. Okay. So, first question is, how did you get into woodworking? YouTube. Just watching YouTube videos got me into it. I first started watching these YouTube videos, like, at 12 o'clock at night to help me fall asleep. And they were these guys who (laughs) built their own um, sawmills out of, like, engines and tires. And I was like, wow, it would be really cool to mill my own lumber. What the hell would I do with that? I don't know, but that's really cool. And then I started, and from there, YouTube started suggesting other videos, like woodworking videos. And I started watching guys like Jimmy and Matthias and John Hyde and all those guys. And uh, and that was really what got me into it. Okay. Cool. All right. What's your favorite tool? Um, my favorite tool right now, I'd have to say, is probably my number five and a quarter jack plane nice is that the is that a low angle nope it's a regular i guess uh it's just a regular vintage hand plane Uh, it's a stanley but it's it's a little narrower than the standard five and obviously much narrower than the five and a half but it's light it's fast it's quick i've got a nice camber on the blade so that i'm i'm taking off enough material and uh, I got it for 20 bucks, and, Ooh. you know, it was uh, not much work to get it going again, and, and it just works really, really great. That's excellent. That's excellent. With the, with the camber, are you using yeah. that for, for smoothing, or what do you use the plane for? Uh, no, it's more for dimensioning, you know, okay. and, and just taking off high spots. I have a number four that I use for smoothing, and that one only has the corners taken off. Okay. So it's still a flatter edge that I can use for smoothing. Okay, I got you. So the, your your camber, you're kind of scooping out, and for the finishing one, it's basically it's flat with the corners nicked off, so you don't not leaving tracks. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, in your woodworking, who has influenced you the most? Uh, you know what? It's really hard to say because I watched so many YouTube videos, and I've gotten so much from so many different people. Um, you know, recently I'm like super, super into, um, hand tools and I know that you're, you're a power tool, uh, woodworker and, you know, right. And I I frankly, Um, I do a lot of, a lot of hand shaping. So, but I digress, please go on. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) So, um, you know, and, and I was, I was using, you know, my table saw and I was using, everything was power tools really until I started getting into the chisels and the planes and I just purchased a number 78 um, rabbiting plane, and it should be in the mail. So I'm really looking forward to doing more quiet work. And, and I've watched a lot of videos and you know, just listening to, uh, to uh, Mark Spagnolo and, and, uh, and Shannon and, and other Matt, you know, it's really gotten me more <laughs> into the traditional woodworking and stuff. And, you know, there's the guy, the English woodworker on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is really, really? There's a whole bunch of guys that are really, really great. Uh, Dutch Horse is a good one. I could give you a list of 20 guys on YouTube who've been my mentor and really got me into into more traditional woodworking. 
the guys who really inspired me on the making side are the guys like Jimmy and, uh, you know, and Bob Claggett and, and, uh, and Matthias especially and John Heiss and, you know, those guys are, are really what I consider to be makers, but then you've got more traditional woodworkers that are sort of a different niche for me. Okay. And I, I would agree. And I, I think it's, it's, I'm just, I'm struggling to phrase it properly, but there's, there's a, there's an interesting tension, not, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say rivalry, but a tension between woodworking and making in that I think there's a lot of overlap and I think fundamentally they're both wonderful creative outlets and it doesn't really matter. Um, but in terms of what's making versus woodworking and more of an, an old school ivory tower attitude versus a new upstart, we just have to do attitude. And it's, it's interesting to see the movement morph and change and see the two different ways of coming at it and really different medium. Cause I, I would ter- at least term making m- multimedia versus just wood. Um, it's, in- it's interesting to see them, them come so I can appreciate having different influences in the two different aspects of it. Sure. I see it a little bit differently. I see making as uh, as more of an umbrella that encompasses different disciplines. So I can mm-hmm. say that woodworking is a subset of making. And if you happen to also be a metal worker, then under that umbrella of making, you can join those two crafts together to make a different kind of or hybrid product. But there's no reason why a woodworker isn't a maker as well under that. You know, it's kind of like uh let's say a financial services company, one guy does insurance, one guy does mortgage, you know, that's, they're all under the, the, the umbrella of financial services. It's an interesting comparison, but I would agree with that. <laughs> it's just how I've reconciled the whole movement. <laughs> I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that actually. Yeah. I, I kind of see it like that. Well, again, I, I agree. I've never reconciled anything in my shop with a financial services company, so it's just interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm a fan of financial services, guys. Don't get me started. <laughs> but uh, but are, are insurance guys makers? That's the question. <laughs> Only if well, they're, they're fun outside crazy. of the shop. Making money. <laughs> yeah. so. So, so, Phil, what, what has been your biggest stumbling block? has been my uh probably time i mean i think that's sort of the stumbling block for all of us is just being able to dedicate enough time to getting better um you know i think gladwell coined the ten thousand hours i don't think i'm anywhere close and really that's that's the thing that sort of bugs me the most is that i have to carve out that time uh pun intended you know to really master what it is that i'm trying to master you can't you can't get good at something because, you know, uh, it, it comes natural. I, I don't believe in that. I think everything that you do that you want to get good at, you have to spend the time. You have to be dedicated to the craft. And I would love to be able to spend more time doing that. So that's really been my stumbling block. I will, I, I'll, I'll second that. I think that's true of almost everyone. Um, in, could I just ask you, in terms of your time, I know you work a full-time job. I know you have a young family. How do you find any time to get in the shop? Uh, my wife's pretty freaking fantastic. And basically, uh, if I've got things that are due, like, a, you know, I've got three boxes that have to get out by Thursday. Today's Tuesday. 
So I will call her and she knows sort of my, my production schedule. She's a bit of my, my manager that way. She's like, uh, you have to get some box out. So I'll come home. I'll grab a quick bite and I'll go right into the shop. She'll take care of the kids and then I'll work and probably until one in the morning. Okay. Uh, but on a normal schedule where it's not crazy, we'll eat as a family. We'll put the kids together to bed as a family and maybe we'll watch an hour of TV and then I'll work from nine o'clock at night until midnight. I, Basically, what I'm doing is I'm burning uh, the candle at both ends. I just uh, I'm I'm carving time in the shop from where when I would normally be sleeping. No, I I absolutely understand that. And making woodworking anything any passion that grabs you, you know, when you have a busy life and you're paying the bills another way, as most of us have to, I think sometimes you need to do that. And I my hat is off to you for for burning it at both ends because. Um, I absolutely understand having to have a real job and I also understand having to get out and build something. It's just, it gets in your blood. For sure. And you know, that's also sort of what maybe has inspired me a little bit to, to delve more deeply into the hand tools because they are quieter. You know, I I feel horrible blasting, you know, the lunchbox cleaner at 11 o'clock at night. I mean, it's the loudest goddamn (laughs) thing in the world. I mean, jet engines are going to this thing, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. So, you know, if you can dimension by hand, it's much, much quieter. Please don't take this personally, but could I rant on that for a moment? Sure. It's your show, man. <laughs> Close the door, teach the kids to sleep through it, and turn on the damn planer. <laughs> I, I do when I have to. I just feel a little I, bit of regret. Uh, the kids sleep through it, but my per, wife is plugging her ears. Perhaps I am just a cold-hearted bastard, but I have never bought into the I use my hand tools because my family is asleep argument. Using hand tools because they're they're poetic and they're delightful is fantastic. I am not against hand tools, but okay. to dictate how I work because my family is sleeping. I, I, we were talking about shop design before and yeah. it's been a while since I invested in my shop, but I'm in a one car garage. My yeah. exterior walls are double two by four R40 with three quarter inch plywood fire-coated um, walls. On the floor, I'm on um, 80 PSI extruded polystyrene set over concrete with three-quarter inch um, OSB over that. And I, I get into all these specifics, not because they really matter, but it's my space, it's my shop, and I took the time, somewhat of a luxury, not everyone has the time, but I took the time to make it what I wanted it to be. And at least for me, part of that was making it a space that I can use when I want. And I am the guy who was out in my driveway at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night and got yelled at by my neighbor for running my router table. Um, So I don't mean to suggest that I'm necessarily always the most compassionate um, or understanding of others. But what I will say is when I'm in my shop, if I close the garage door, my my shop adjoins two of my three kids' bedrooms. My twins' bedrooms uh, share a wall with the shop. Um, from the not the day they were born, but the day we moved in this house when they were three, and now they're eleven. Um, I've used the shop when they're asleep. On my one son's wall, there's a little bit of soundproofing because I take the wall apart and do some work, and I added some soundproofing. The other wall is the original sheetrock wall with bad insulation. It is marginally soundproof. 
from the day we came in the shop, I have used the shop when I have the opportunity to use it, which is sometimes at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and sometimes at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Um, and I, I'm staring at my joiner. I've got my monster planer. It, it the tools go on when they need to. And I, again, and this isn't just aimed at you, Phil. This is just an overall, every time I hear anyone say, well, I use hand tools cause my family needs to sleep. It's like just, ah, soundproof. Well, and, and no, for do sure you want. I, I get it. You know, it luckily, you have got a panic room that you're working out of, but um, you know I can't. <laughs> bunker. Yeah, I can't really remodel the garage uh, if I, you know. So that sort of is what is. But I def. I mean, I'm using the table saw. I'm using anything that I need to use. Um, I think maybe just I got into the hand tools. Uh, first of all, they are very romantic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, it's true to that regard. Um, I don't feel bad using the planer. I use it when I have to use it. I am still putting food on the table with it to some extent. Um, but I don't know. It's yeah, maybe well, I do they're, feel they're, a just, bit they're just quieter in general. You know, sometimes yeah. you don't want to turn on a big loud noise when you could do the same job. A little quieter, a little less. You know, I'll tell you what it is. If I if I've got a if I've got a dimension uh, ten or fifteen or twenty boards, that planer's coming out. If I've <laughs> got to fix up one board or two boards. I'll just use the hand planes because the setup time is, is, is non-existent for the hand planes. And there is some setup time to get it out, hook it up to my dust deputy and all that stuff. So I think it's very task oriented. And you know what? I, I understand and appreciate and agree with what you just said. And I think that relates back to our earlier discussion about having dedicated setup spaces because I can, in less than 30 seconds, I can start joining something. And in about 30 seconds, I can plane something. Really, I've got this, I've got a, what I call my bastard dust collector. I've got a, a, a homemade cyclone, essentially. And oh, it's, cool. it's got one of those um, Rockler dust right hoses on it. So mm-hmm. I literally have to take the hose and plug it into my joiner. And then when I get over, to, or plug it into the planer first. And then when I get over the joiner, I unplug it from the planer and I plug it into the joiner. And it takes me a couple seconds to do that. That's the only setup I have to do to use any of my milling equipment. Um, so I think it's more that you go back to what's, what's ready to go quickly. And if you're going to do a bunch, then it's worth investing in the setup time, no matter what the setup time is to efficiently mill a dozen of them. But if you're going to do one or two, you go with the system that is ready to go now. And in my shop, that's my power tools in your shop. That's your hand tools. In a lot of shops, that's the hand tools. But I think it's more that the difference between one-off and two-off and what are you set up to use now versus, okay, it's a production run. Let me take some time, invest some time in setup because it's going to pay dividends when I run my 15th or 20th board through the system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not looking to be uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of hand planes here. Uh, <laughs> you know, one or two boards – you know, uh, I've, I've worked up a sweat. If I've got 15 boards to do, out comes the planer. Yeah, no hesitation there. Okay. Um, let me return to the question. I appreciate your tolerating that rant. That's been in me for a while. Um, and I, no, I, I listen, it's important to you get you. these things out. You shouldn't <laughs> bottle those things up, you know, Yami. It's important to get it out. You know, Absolutely. That's why I do this podcast is it's cheaper than a therapist. It's cathartic <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah. Um, last question is how has the internet influenced your work? 
Well, listen, it's 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 the seed. You know, it, it was it's everything for me. It's it's what started me off. It's what keeps me going. It's what inspires me. It's what allows me to to be in touch with other woodworkers, with other makers. It, it it's given um, platform for my work, and it's also where I receive you know feedback from. So it's it's essentially everything. I. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without the internet mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing at the level that I'm doing it at without the internet. Gotcha. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I mean, you take from and you give back to this, this cycle that is this communication platform. It, it's, it's amazing. And I, I see it twofold is I've been woodworking to a small degree since I was very young and to a large degree since I've been a homeowner and not that there wasn't the internet there, but I cut my teeth in the magazines and with one-to-one interactions with other woodworkers. So I've learned a lot of things on the internet, but when I think, where did I learn woodworking? The internet isn't what pops in my head first. Um, However, the best thing about woodworking is the community. <laughs> and yeah. that is what lives on the internet. So I don't mean in any way to diminish the value of, of the internet, but one of the great things about it is that it does different things for different people and it's able to do just about everything. You can get your education, you can get your sharing, you can get your community, you can get sales, you can figure out what you want and you can get it off the internet. So it is an amazingly powerful tool in that regard. Absolutely. I mean, and, and not to, you know, be that guy who's like print media is dead or whatever, but, you know, you can read an article, you know, and, and read about an instruction set, read about a technique, but then to go on YouTube and then watch it, demonstrate it, where you can rewind, fast forward, look at it again, watch it over again, have somebody walk you through it, speak on the subject, and then watch the guy or the girl do it. I mean, there's just no comparison. Yeah, and then and then leave a comment and ask that person a question directly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, a lot that, that view was a little obstructed. Uh, how did you actually do that? Oh well, I did it with this, that, and the other. It's it's in an upcoming video. You should check it out. I mean, I think it's phenomenal. Mm. It absolutely, absolutely is. All right. Well, thank you for going through the five questions, Phil. And uh, my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Before we wrap up the show, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity. Any and everywhere you can be found online, where you promote things, where you podcast, where you sell your your whiskey boxes and your stools and anything else you make. Where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Phil Pinsky. I'm on Twitter at Phil Pinsky. Uh, YouTube is Jake and Emmy's dad. Uh, same for my Etsy store. And reclaimedaudiopodcast.com has all of those links and has uh, everything to do with the Reclaimed Audio Podcast. Thank you, Phil, for coming on and sharing your five questions answers with us. Uh, thank you to Zach, my co-host. It's been fantastic to work with you on this episode. And uh, if anyone wants to learn more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, please check us out at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Stay safe in your shop and make something you like.